I'm going I'm to go ahead and tell this now because it's the eighth step. I'm 20 years sober. I hate my mother. You know why I hate my mother? I was talking to my son last night. My son and I were starting to get close. And we were talking about it. And he was asking me, he said, Dad, said, why didn't you ever come back? I said, Petey, I tried to come back, man. I said, I never could get there. You see, I was gone from my kids for about 12 years. And when I come home, man, they were grown up. They didn't even want to talk to me. My in-laws raised them. They told them where I was, who I was, what I was. And they told them the truth. He ain't no good. Every time he gets out of the penitentiary, he don't come here and take care of y'all. He goes shooting dope, drinking, booze, women, whatever, you know. And it took, you know, you know how long it took me to undo that and to get my deal back with my children? Same amount of time I was gone. Twelve years. You're not going to get it back real quick, kids. It, it ain't coming. It ain't, it ain't coming in a month or six months. It's going to come if you'll stay here and jump through the hoops you've got to go through. And I talked to my son last night. And he said, man, I couldn't even think about leaving my kids. And I started telling him about my mother. He said, God, Dad, I didn't know about that. And I started telling him about my early life. He's heard it 50 times. It was the first time he ever let it in. Let me tell you how my kids used to talk to me, my son especially. I always call my kids. I call them, hey, happy birthday, Pity. Oh, thanks, Pop. I say, hey, I love you, man. He said, later. <laughs> later. He never could say it. He calls me now. Hey, Pop, what are you doing, man? Get out of that bed. He said, I love you, man. Do you know that that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is about? That's what this deal is about. It ain't about a bunch of money, a bunch of cars. It's about love. The love you didn't have. The love you never got. The love you're going to get if you stay here long enough. Welcome home, friend, to Sober Shares, episode 31. This episode is titled Jimmy Daniels, part three. Jimmy will share his experience, strength, and hope on steps four through eight as he tells powerful and intimate stories about his sober journey in Alcoholics Anonymous. Jimmy's story is one of hope and redemption we can all relate to. I remember thinking to myself every time I was around Jimmy that if he could do it, I could do it. He radiated hope and was a true example of a way out of addiction that everyone could believe in. Please remember to support this show with a financial donation by visiting our website, SoberShares.com, and clicking the Donate button. You can also find a clickable link in the show notes for this episode that will lead you straight to PayPal.com, where you can make a donation with a debit or a credit card. This donation process is secure and will take you less than two minutes. I have encountered additional hardware and software-related expenses to be able to convert and edit these old audio compact disc files. So if you could help me cover these costs, I would be grateful. A special thank you to Daniel J., who made a donation and left us a note that says, Thanks for helping me stay sober. I've got one year coming up, and these stories help me on my daily walks. And now, it's time to enjoy your new friend, Jimmy Daniels. Take it away, brother. Jimmy Daniels, I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober since June 10th, 1982. Some of you weren't even born then, were you? (laughs) I love the fact that you young people are here. My God, if I could have got it when you were young. And 
hadn't had to go through what I had to go through, but we have to go through what we have to go through to get here, you know? Last week, I ended up at probably, of all the steps that I would call were the turning point for me, was step number four. It was very serious. At the group I came into, everybody's asking, have you done your four step? Have you done your four step? Have you done your four step? Hell, I don't even know what it means. <laughs> What's it mean? There's sometimes a large gap between doing the third step and the fourth step, and that large gap was for me, it was, I, I, I went from about three months to about eight or nine months before I was able to understand, digest, and get the courage up to write a four-step, but you see, I don't think the four-step's all that torrid. I, I don't think the four-step packs all that chaos. I think the fifth step is what carries that. I think the fifth step is the step that we're really, really, really aware of that we're gonna have to do. And in my case, that was the truth for me because I had read too far in the book and I read where I was going to have to tell another human being my whole life story. And you know what I said to myself? Not on your in life. No, not me. You just don't do that. Last week, we had another guy with us that's out of town right now. But we were talking about doing the third and the fourth step. And he's on the fence. And he's kind of wishy-washing his way in with us, and, and we're kind of drag, trying to drag him in, and, and we've been on him about doing his four-step, and doing his four-step, and doing his four-step. And I said, man, uh, I, I said, hell, I, don't, I, I didn't think I could tell those damn secrets, man. I just didn't think I could pull it off. And he said, hell, I ain't got no bad secrets. I said, well, let me tell you what one of mine was. And I told one of my secrets. The car got real quiet. <laughs> Before we got home, he was asking me, when could we get together for him to work on his four-step? You see, I'd never done that before in my life. I mean, I got two real close buddies back there. They know a really, they know a really, really, really intimate thing about my life. But you know, I knew from being with these guys that I didn't get judged by these guys. Because they probably got something just, as, just, just similar to that as I, as I had. One of the things that will help a newcomer in sponsorship is to tell them some of your secrets. There's two or three principles that I think that are involved in this part of the program. Number one, Probably before you write your fourth step, you're going to find somebody that's going to do, that you're going to have to listen to it. Now, I think there's only one requirement for having somebody to listen to your fourth step. And that is that you can trust that person. Now, let me tell you what. If you got a person that's telling you stuff about other people they'll tell your stuff. You can take it to the bank. I left a sponsor for what that reason because he kept telling me everybody's stuff, man, and I just really didn't want to know it. 
You see, I don't want to know bad things about people in Alcoholics Anonymous. Hell, I got enough bad things going on as it is. And I'm not willing to listen to degradation in, in this program. Man, it's so good to see you. And I, was, I got to be a year sober. And man, I was into the hallelujahs and praise God, you know. Man, I'm sober. I'm so, I got a year of sobriety, man. I'm a four-time loser, man. I've been half my life incarcerated. I want to go save all the guys in prison. I got to get this message into prison. I have to. And I went and found out that they wouldn't let me go come in the prison. <laughs> they said, you still have some bad charges out there. And I knew that wasn't the truth. So I caught this man in a meeting. And I asked him, and I said, can I hire you as an attorney to help get me in those penitentiaries, man? He said, I'll do what I can. I said, how much? He said, 500. I said, a deal. About a week later, he called me. He called me up to his office. He said, Jimmy, there's a detective over there. He got your rap sheet. And he said, I don't care how long this piece of crap is sober. He's not going to get in our penitentiaries. And he gave me half my money back. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever heard of a lawyer, you ever heard of a lawyer give me half your money back? <laughs> that was what was going on in 1983. Okay? But what I got to do from my first year to my fifth year is I got to go be with people to take meetings to Seagullville. And then, lo and behold, I won the war after all because I got, a, I got involved in a, in a program called uh, Sobriety is an Option. And from about five years sober to about 12 years sober, I went to probably every prison in the state. And, um, and that's where I'm most effective. That's where I, I am most effective. And, 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 and that's where you'll be most effective. Your past will be your greatest asset. That's verbatim out of the big book. Still, I wasn't going to do the four step, <laughs> you know. And finally, a lady came up to me when I was about nine months sober, and I wasn't doing very good, and I was thinking about leaving the program. And she called me aside. She said, I want to tell you something. She said, if you go out there, she said, you'll last one day. She said, guys like you don't get back. And nine months sober, I, I had gained a lot of respect and humility and things that I never knew anything about. And see, that's what the fourth step's going to be about. It's going to solve all those things that kept you and I from having a relationship with one another. You see, because I was locked down with all those resentments in my head, and until I did the fourth step, I was still going to have them. Finally, one day, if you keep coming back, you'll get the message. And I heard a lady say, are you working on your four-step? She said, put ass in chair and pen in hand. <laughs> what a novel idea, huh? So I read, I read it and got it as good as I could, and I started writing. And I started writing all the people that I had resentments at, police departments, my mother, guys that got me better than I got them. You know what I'm talking about. All those people that got us better than we got them. 
that make sense? My sponsor was going out of town one day, and I finished my fourth step in about three weeks. And I wrote it on a yellow legal pad. And he was going out of town. But I got, I got two things that I'm not going to put on there. I got two things that ain't going to go on there. Now, a lot of you are going to say, I ain't got nothing in that. I don't got nothing that serious. Bullshit. Everybody's got something that serious. Everybody's got two or three things they do not want anybody in the world to know. I'm in agony, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm between the rock and the hard spot. But I'm reading the literature. And I was reading tonight. I read the 12 and 12 for, for just a little bit about, about the fourth step. And one of the things it says is never say never. See, just don't say never. Say maybe I will and maybe I won't. But maybe I can get enough of the fourth step in to, to, and get enough of the fifth step in to be able to go on with the rest of the, the rest of the deal. I also got in touch with a prayer for God, give me the willingness to be willing. And that turned out to be a really incredible prayer for me. The willingness to be willing not to write the four step. Hell, our, our ego takes over. We start writing a four step. We start thinking, well, let's see. We, talk about, we start thinking about who's going to listen to it. The Pope. <laughs> you know. Then we think we're going to write a book. We get in there and we write all that stuff. And we thought, man, this is exciting, man. Because <laughs> when that pen starts flowing, man, it gets into some stuff, don't it? I mean, you get in some really heavy-duty stuff. And most of you have never known that you could write stuff like that. And a lot of you are thinking you're going to be mystery writers. <laughs> you know? But you're writing your fourth step. I'm still terrified about will I be able to tell it. Will I be able to tell it? My sponsor said, we're going to do your fifth step? I said, yeah. He said, well, let's do it a week after next, because I, I, I got something I got. I thought, God, I mean, you get ready to do it, and they're on your ass to do it. Then they want to wait two weeks to do it, because when you're ready to have somebody listen to that fifth step, baby, you are ready to let it go, because you are hanging on to some crap. He came back in town. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know exactly where we did it, but I know I had a lot of coffee, and I had two packs of those little short camels I was smoking. And, man, I'm puffing away. You know, and he said, read me your four step. So I read him my four step. He stopped me in it. He said, I want to tell you one of your character defects. I said, what's that? He said, man, you're way too dependent upon women. And I thought, what the hell you say that for, man? <laughs> was that a big one? That was huge. You know, I remember thinking if God made anything better than that, he kept it for himself, you know. But we got to a place where I got through with my four-step. I read it. Jimmy, is there anything else? Now, the voices. You know the voices? Y'all know the voices, don't you? They're out here for a while. It takes about eight or ten months to get the voices back in here. The voices are saying, you better not tell those people that shit, man. They'll run you all the way out of here. They'll never let you back in the doors. 
And the voice would say, don't tell it. Another one says, tell it, man. Tell it, tell it. Don't tell it. Tell it. Don't tell it. I'll tell you what. I think what happens is we get enough of it, man. I had had enough. Finally, I went, And I looked at him. I thought, I wonder, did you hear that? And he said, is there anything else? I said, my God, does he want me to repeat it? <laughs> you see, I told both of them. I don't even know if he hurt me or not. It was over with. It was over with. I felt more a part of Alcoholics Anonymous at that moment I was going to feel more apart later on, but up until that day, about eight or nine months sober, I felt like, Jimmy, you are Hercules. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You people that have done it. And you know, later on, it's interesting. I got a piece of paper one day, and on a piece of paper it said the principles of the 12 steps. You know the principle of step number four? Courage. And for some uncanny reason, I have had some courage in my life more so than that day than I ever had before, ever. I know what the word courage means. And so I did the rituals in the book. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go into the book. Y'all got a book, y'all can read it. You know, you go walk around, see if you skipped on the other steps and blah, blah, blah. And hell, I took my AA book and parked it right here on my arm and I walked around Bachman Lake thinking, have I skipped on any of the previous five steps, you know? I thought, I, you know, I can't think of anything. I felt, I felt like Jesus, man, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I felt like I felt holy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> man, when you dump that, I tell you what, when you, when you dump that stuff, whew, my God, what a relief. And then you're not judged. Then you're not judged. That's why later on in your life you can sit in a car full of men and you can tell them what, what one of your secrets were and help another man want to get in this program and do that same thing because he knows we don't judge each other here. We don't do that. Let me tell you what I think about at this stage of my sobriety. I believe that anything said between two human beings in the fourth step and the fifth step is holy. And I don't believe anybody should ever repeat a word of somebody's fourth step. And I don't care what it is. I had a situation one time, I might have told y'all this last week. Anyway, some guys called me and they said, hey man, we want you to listen to a guy's fourth step. I said, well, why don't y'all listen to it? They said, well, man, you know, you've been, you've been down the road, man, and he, he's a hit man. I went, God, yeah, I said, my God, man, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear somebody talk about killing people, man. I said, but you know what? I think you've asked the right guy. Because I have a friend, and his name's Father Don, Father Don Fisher. And I went to Father Don Fisher. I said, look, man, I got a, I got a problem. I got a deal. I, I need some help. And he took care of it. And as far as I know, the guy's still sober today. 
But how would you like to live with something like that? You know? I had a sponsor. His name was Jim Williams. Somebody y'all might have heard him. I remember he used to talk, and he'd, he'd, he'd get through with the fifth step. And he said, you know, I got the, the sixth step, the seventh step. And he said, you know, it was only about that big in the, in, in the, in the book. You know, he said, he said, so I just skipped it. You know? <laughs> and I looked at six and seven. I read six and seven and the 12 and 12. My sponsor had me go read six and seven and the 12 and 12, and I couldn't see nothing in there that was uh, dramatic. I thought, man, I'm clean, dude. I don't see nothing in here. You know, I think before 1948 or 1947 that alcoholics were really at a disadvantage because, you know, I got most of my meat and most of my progress about six and seven out of the 12 and 12. And the 12 and 12 wasn't written till 48. But I'll tell you this, I have got every character defect known to mankind. If you think you don't, you need to tell yourself you haven't done that yet. I've had to go through gambling, became entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Let me tell you how I became entirely ready to quit gambling. I had this dentist friend. Me and him would bet $25 on football games. He'd give me the tips. And let me tell you something about gambling. There's only one thing worse than losing in gambling. You want to know what it is? Winning. winning. And, man, I was winning. I thought, damn, man, you're the coolest dentist in the world, man. I won about 8 out of 10, man, for every time I played, every time I played. So I went home to Kentucky. My daughter got me a suite in a hotel. She was working at a hotel. And I, I'm up on the, it's Christmas time. And, and I'm looking down on the, on the, at the courthouse and the jail I escaped out of. And I can see the tunnel that goes underneath the streets and goes into the courthouses. And, and you wait in little cages here to go into the courtrooms, you know. And, and I can see all that. And I should be in, in bliss, man. I'm in a suite. But my dentist friend called me. He said, man, I got these from Reno. He said, man, these are the deal. And what it was, was seven college football games. I said to myself, I thought it's Christmas time. Man, he ain't done that. He ain't been bad so far. And by then I had a little money, a couple grand. Oh, hell man, I, you know, I bet if I bet all seven of them, bet 500 on all seven of them, I'm bound to win three or four of them, and each break even. <laughs> I lost all seven. <laughs> and you know what I did? I became entirely ready to not do that anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so if you have any problem with the words entirely ready, there they are. Envy. Man, who don't have envy? You know, when I first got here, man, if you had more time than I did, I envied you. A lot of you I envied. A lot of you my heroes. I envied those cool people that had a lot of time driving those Mercedes Benzes. And the best way to get rid of things like that is to get what those people had. <laughs> And so, I was a real poor kid. 
And let me tell you two of the greatest lessons I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. I thought I had the most gorgeous woman in the world in AA. Well, she was, and, and, and we had a picture-perfect relationship for two years. After that, it went <laughs> And then after that, we chained ourselves together for two years. It was like, by God, we'll show you we can do this. I'll show you. I ain't, I ain't getting out of this. And you want to know the truth? I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know how to get out of it. You know what? She didn't know how to get out of it either. And so one day somebody gave her some kind of information because she came up and I was getting ready. I was getting ready to go speak at Singles, Singles in Sobriety, 1987. And she said, I need to tell you something. I said, are you going to go with me? She said, no, I got something I want to tell you. I said, what's that? She said, it's over. I went, I thought I wanted it to be over and now it's over. What do I do now? So here's, here's those two things. I'd saved up a big, I'd saved up a pocket full of money. I saved up really nice hunk of money. And I found out five years sober that money can't fix you and the opposite sex can't fix you. And let me tell you what it does to you. It will piss you off. <laughs> because all your life, You've thought, if I ever get this, and then I'm on my way, man, and it's okay. And I had those two things, and I was miserable. I ended up doing something most people don't do. I ended up starting a treatment center, man, because I knew I was one of the people that's going to have to stay sober one day at a time for the rest of my life. I had a little old lady walk up to me one time. I was about three years sober. She said, I want to tell you something, Sonny. <laughs> After I gave a talk, you know, she said, you think you've been to prison? She said, we've all been to prison. I've been to prison. I said, honey, you ought to try the arm bar concrete kind. Ones where you can't go home. I just walked away. You know, everybody in this program ain't going to like you. Did you know that? back in, in early AA before they got the, the um, traditions is, man, they was going to have Mr. AA and Miss AA. You remember the, the stories about that? It was going to be all this crap, you know, but didn't work, man. And another thing, they used to call Bill Wilson a lot, write him letters. Guy wrote him a letter one time. Said, hey, man, we got a guy He's in our club, man. He's sleeping with everybody's wives he can. Guess what Bill Wilson wrote him back? He said, is he sober? That's all he asked him. Guy wrote him another letter back. said, hey, man, I don't think you get what I'm talking about. He said, you must have interpreted, misinterpreted my letter. This guy's hitting on my wife, man. Bill Wilson wrote him back. You know what he said? Is he sober? Girl, I got a flash for you. Sober as high as it gets, <laughs> you know? And there's another thing. If you young people are worried and like I was when I first got here, they can't kick you out. They can't kick you out of here, you know? 
I was worried about them kicking me out of here. I was four or five days sober, nutting in a fruitcake. I thought, man, they ain't gonna let me stay here. And a guy walked, you know what? A guy walked up to me and he said, and we got time. He said, they're not, he said, man, they ain't gonna kick you out of here. He says, you wanna know why? I said, why? He said, cause you may say something that'll save one of them's life. I said, what? <laughs> man, are you for, really? Man, I felt like a king then. Can you imagine being four, four, four days sober and saving people's lives? You know? <laughs> it's just the, the youth here and the early sobriety, it's to be cherished. Character defects, sex. You know how many sex meetings I've been in in AA? 23 years? Three, four. They don't have many sex meetings. Everybody thinks about it all day long. Nobody wants to talk about it. You know, you know what the book says? We all got sex problems. That means ain't nobody coming ain't got them. <laughs> and so let me tell you something. If you were raised like I was raised, and like I was telling you last week, we didn't get any teachings about condoms or, you know, anything. Any, we, we didn't get anything. Nothing. So we got that look when we were drinking when we were 13, 14, 15 years old. And the alcohol and the look was the calls the sex, you know? And if you get here and you got a life full of that, can you imagine how sick you are? How sick I was? Now, I'm pure sober. I got some sex problems. I'm thinking, well, the book says counsel with others is advisable. And I'm thinking, who the hell in here <laughs> could I talk about my sex problems to? Try it out. You'll find out they got worse than you got. <laughs> and so five years sober, I did one of the things that's taboo back in those days, the old timers. I went to a therapist, and I had a therapist that straightened me out. And while I stayed there with that therapist, she put me and my children back as a family. And our book talks about there's times to go to those people. There's times you do that, and there's times to do lots of things, you know. I've got them all, man. You know, I'm lazy, you know. I tell you what, watch out what you pray for. You know, I've been paralyzed. My business has been terrible for six months. For the last two weeks, man, it's rolling in. I can't even hardly keep up with it. You know what I was doing today? I was bitching about having too damn much business. <laughs> you know why? Because, man, I had to work my butt off about seven or eight dollars a day. 
You know, watch what you pray for. Watch what you pray for. There's an incredible thing that happened with the A step. I don't remember reading the A step going through the steps. I don't even remember reading the A step going through the steps. I remembered I wanted to get to the ninth step so I could call her <laughs> and say, hey, you know, <laughs> always talk to your sponsor before you make a, an amends to, um, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, like the last one, you know. The one got you better than you got him. <laughs> the left door, you know. You know, we're the lefty, they're the left doors. They leave us, you know. I'm going I'm going to go ahead and tell this now because it's the eighth step. I'm 20 years sober. I hate my mother. You know why I hate my mother? I was talking to my son last night. My son and I are starting to get close. And we were talking about it. And he was asking me, he said, Dad, said, why don't you ever come back? I said, Petey, I tried to come back, man. I said, I never could get there. You see, I was gone from my kids for about 12 years. And when I come home, man, they were grown up. They didn't even want to talk to me. My in-laws raised them. They told them where I was, who I was, what I was. And they told them the truth. He ain't no good. Every time he gets out of the penitentiary, he don't come here and take care of y'all. He goes shooting dope, drinking, booze, women, whatever, you know. And it took, you know, you know how long it took me to undo that and to get my deal back with my children? Same amount of time I was gone. Twelve years. You know, I'm going to get it back real quick, kids. It, it ain't coming. It ain't, it ain't coming in a month or six months. It's going to come if you'll stay here and jump through the hoops you've got to go through. And I talked to my son last night. And he said, man, I couldn't even think about leaving my kids. And I started telling him about my mother. He said, God, Dad, I didn't know about that. And I started telling him about my early life. He's heard it 50 times. It was the first time he ever let it in. Let me tell you how my kids used to talk to me, my son especially. I always call my kids. I call them, hey, happy birthday, Pity. Oh, thanks, Pop. I say, hey, I love you, man. He said, later. Later, he never could say it. He calls me now. Hey, Pop, what are you doing, man? Get out of that bed. He said, I love you, man. Do you know that that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is about? That's what this deal is about. It ain't about a bunch of money, a bunch of cars. It's about love. The love you didn't have. The love you never got. The love you're going to get if you stay here long enough. See, I never got any love. I talk about this a lot. I don't ever remember being touched when I was a little boy. You know what I say about you people when I'm out there? You laid hands on me. You heard those stories on the, from the, the black book, you know? I felt that from you people. You hugged me when I was drunk. You told me God loved me. You told me it was going to be okay. And you know what? Here I am. <laughs> 22 years and some change into the game. 
I picked a new sponsor. And he said, man, he said, I'm going to be coming back to Texas. He said, can you get up to Lake Murray? I said, man, I was going to Lake Murray. And me and David and Doug and a few people went up there. I'm going to talk to him, and, and he's going to see if he, he wants to sponsor me. He interviewed me. <laughs> he said the strangest thing. He said, I want to know. He said, who are you? What would you say when, if somebody asked you that? I just told him who I was, my story. And then when we got to the end of it, I said, what do you think, man? <laughs> he said, I can't sponsor you. I said, why not? He said, you hate your mother. I went, what? By God, you'd hate her too if you got what I got from her. He said, you owe her amends. You've never made amends to your mother. I said, I don't owe her shit, man. He said, well, look, I'm not here for that. I'm not here for this kind of conversation. I have to go out and give a talk. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is what I'm going to tell you. He said, you got a 12 and 12? I said, no. He said, go find a 12 and 12. Read the eighth step. Write a four step about your mother, what you did to her. And he said, I would advise you to, while you're doing that, put on their I was a bad son, mom. And I'm looking at him like, like he's crazy. He said, send me the four step and don't call me, I'll call you. <laughs> I'm walking out the door, y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> this is going on in my head. I see a guy I know about 20, 20 paces out here. I got up to him. Guess what I said to him? Hey, man, you got 12 and 12 with you? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, man, can I borrow it? He said, yeah, man. And he went and got it, and I went to my room, man. And I started reading the 12 and 12 and the A step. And you know what? I only had to read the first page. This is the A step I'm talking about, kids. And you know what it says on the first page? Go read it tonight. Check it out. You and I will take basically the relationships that were the most powerful and the longest and the moms and the dads and the, and the ones that's taken so long to get over. And it says, not this is my interpretation of it, but it, you'll know what I mean when you read it. It says... They get us better than we get them, so why do we have to make amends to them, man? You know? They've, well, my mother beat me like a dog, man. And I never got over it. This lady, she's supposed to be taking care of me. She's beating hell out of me every day. Makes you crazy. Makes you like this. <laughs> but I started writing. You know what came out of my pen? Mom, I was wrong to steal $10 out of your purse that time and you thought it was your friend and you never talked to her again. Mom, I was wrong for shoving you around when I got taller than you. See, when I got taller my mother, I quit taking those beatings. Here's one. Mom, I'm sorry I stole your sewing machine that time. Mom, I'm sorry when I got older and I got really bad and I'd bring those bags of drugs in your, in your, in your house and in your bathroom and, and uh, I'd stay in there for about two days and and you'd have to go to other people's houses to use the bathroom. And mom, I was a bad son. Zip.
I get a phone call about four days later. Here's what he said. He said, you did good, kid. <laughs> He's old enough to be my father. He said, you did good, Jim. He said, now you know what you got to do, don't you? I said, yeah, I know what I got to do, Tom. He said, when can you go? I said, man, I can't get there till Thanksgiving. So I went home Thanksgiving, and I had my little granddaughter with me, and I went out to my mother's grave, and I walked over to my mother's grave, and I stood at my mother's grave. And I started saying, Mom, I guess you want to hear about Bobby and, and Brendan, how they're doing. And a little voice said, man, cut the shit out, man. You, you know what you're here for. And I started telling my mother those things I was wrong for. And I told about two of them. And I started sobbing. And I started weeping. And I sobbed and I wept uncontrollably for probably five or ten minutes. You know, the kind you go, <laughs> When you're, when you're getting it back, you know, when you're coming back from it. And I'll tell you what happened. God shined his light on the truth of my relationship with my mother. Let me tell you what. The most important thing in Alcoholics Anonymous for this man standing in front of you today is about forgiveness. It's all about forgiveness. I got in tune with forgiveness when I forgave my mother because you see my mother was beaten like that and my mother was raised in a really ugly 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 place my mother raised 10 kids without any daddies no daddies the first eight she raised us on welfare you know how i remember seeing my mother in flip-flops all her life she didn't have any teeth when she talked she talked like this my mother looked like a little rag lady. And I started talking to her. I said, Mom, if you were here, I'd buy you the prettiest clothes. I'd buy you so many pretty shoes. You, I'd have you dancing. I'd take you to some restaurants. I bet my mother didn't... I bet the highest restaurant she probably ever ate at was probably the freshest big boy. And when God lets us know the real story, we're not the same anymore. We are no longer the same. And that changed my life. And let me tell you how it changed my life. It changed some of my sex problems. I noticed this about two months later. I started looking at women differently. I started looking at you like you were somebody's child or some young, young boy's girlfriend. I started looking at you like you were, probably had a husband and maybe a couple kids. I quit undressing women. That's the kind of power that lives in these rooms. And guess what? It took 20 years to get there. And you know what? It was worth every day in the wait. I'll start on step nine next week. <laughs>